0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast. With me, Russell Guyver, and my special guest today, Mr Neil Atkinson. Hello, Neil. Hello there. For anyone that uh, has heard previous shows, you will probably know, or even if you haven't ever heard previous shows, that he is from the Anfield Rap, a renowned podcast, um, uh, really well reputed, and he's sitting in his studio by the looks of it today on a workday. Uh, there's no rest for the wicked, wicked is there, Neil? Absolutely none whatsoever. <laughs> um, so, what we do, we're doing an extra special podcast um, post season, uh, so to speak, um, because there's been an issue that's come up um, with the Champions League at the weekends. And um, we had quite a bit of a response on our podcast, just having a quick go at the authorities uh, for what had been going on and what was quite plain, plainly obvious to see, as far as I could tell um, from what had happened the fact that the authorities and the police seem squarely to blame for at least the vast majority of what had happened. Um, But because there's been quite a bit of a response and there's been a lot of talk around it and the situation is moving fast, as I've just discovered from your good self off air a moment ago, um, I think it's worthy of a bit more chat in general, even though we are a bright and dedicated podcast. I think these issues, maybe with us moving towards Europe, who knows, it could be um, directly pertinent to us in the near future. I think um, these issues are for the bigger the bigger good to be discussed in more detail, I think, for any football fans. Um, So, Neil, I mean, I don't know where you want to start with this, but for anyone that doesn't know the circumstances, do you want to kind of give an overview of of your perception of what's happened and also any personal experiences you've had from the day as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if... if I'll start with the personal and we'll sort of expand it. I was lucky, uh, both on the way in and on the way out, uh, but on the way in, uh, arguably, in a sense, more. So, it was lovely in Paris to be quite honest with you and then we got the Metro to the stadium, everyone was having a fantastic time, we got the Metro to the stadium um, and arrived off the the nearest stop which was a 15 minute walk um, at about sort of 6.15 from there we were held twice uh, walking on the way through Um, so we didn't have any explanation for either hold but it was all relatively good-natured. We felt it might be, you know, good crowd control or whatever at that point. You know, it was just like, we're not, we're not quite sure why we're stopping, but it's okay. It's only for a few minutes. Um, and then when we got closer and closer to the stadium, we ended up being, for want of a better phrase, kettled in an underpass. Um, and it took the very least an hour to get through a bit of kettle, and that was in part created by police fans, um, which... About six, six, five, six, or seven police vans down the side, and the underpass narrowed anyway from where the from, from the, the the sort of the architecture of it, um, and we were increasingly aware of the fact that there was more and more people uh, coming along behind, and more and more people obviously trying, wanting to move forward because everyone was there very much in good time we thought that there was a ticket check at the end of this, that it was basically the thing that you do before you get onto the footprint of the stadium. And I think that's what it was meant to be. But by the time we got there as a narrowed and narrowed, there was only really room for two individual ticket checks at that point. And they had decided to, um, to basically stop. So there was no ticket check by the time I got there. Uh, and we just sort of walked right the way through it. There was walls and gates, um, to the left, that were really quite scalable. Um, And what we also discovered was that people were being... So if some of the footage that people had saw where there was Liverpool supporters clambering over a wall, it was because next to the dual carriageway, which I didn't know at the time, people were being sort of held and kettled there as well. And that was beginning to create a crush all the way back there. So if you almost imagine that it snakes up on you. Mm. So some people decided that they felt that they had to climb a wall. There was then also the idea that these gates that there were, which I'll come back to on the perimeter were also being scaled. I think by, uh, by local people uh, who wanted to local gangs who wanted to get onto the perimeter. Um, It was much easier to scale those gates coming the other way as i say i'll come back around onto that um then we we got onto the st- sort of the stadium footprint proper after having gone through the ticket check that was then non-existent and walking along there was loads of queues outside especially gates um v x y um and z um I was in gate a and so i I, I sort of spoke to some friends on the way through and everyone was like Jesus because at this point it was about eight o'clock the kickoff was nine um bit after eight uh, and it was like, Jesus, this is, this is heavy. Um, this is, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who are in this ground at the moment and the gates were closed. This is an important point. It wasn't like there were big queues and the gates were letting people through. The gates were completely closed. So when I got around the corner from Z, I was in gate A. Gate A almost, almost well, as I know now, sort of miraculously, sort of opened. So I, I joined the queue and sort of snaked through because they'd actually closed the barricades from you know, was like the railing bit, like the old post office queues that snake back and forth. That yeah. was that bit was closed at Gate A, but they suddenly opened that and they opened the gate. So I sort of got into that queue, snaked all the way through, showed me tickets. There was there was people what looked like, and we've got to be careful with all of this, what looked like local people trying to hit the entrance to the left and sort of trying to force through with the stewards who weren't coming through our little railing procedure. Um, and then I got through and I was in the ground. So the whole process, and it included a, 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 converse, a couple of conversations with friends who were bumped into, it's worth pointing that out. But the whole process from getting off the train station to getting in the ground took me about two hours and five, two hours and ten minutes, but I was in the ground at that point. And I would just sort of say that my main perception, to be really honest, was this was just really weird. Nothing made sense mm. at this point, but I hadn't seen any of the scenes that I think basically started to happen after the point at which I managed to get inside to the ground. What I then know uh, and what we can all see and what all the footage sort of suggests is those gates that weren't open uh, remained closed the gates that I came through, I know closed not long after because the people who were around me in the ground just basically never appeared. Um, so we were all coming through the same gate because that's the way ticketing works and they just never appeared. And when they finally did appear at half past nine, it was fair to say that they'd been through something really rather traumatic. And, you know, these were friends of mine, but they were just like, can I just watch the match? I don't want to talk about it right now. It was awful. Um, and everyone was very red, red in the face, red in the eyes. Um so, and everything was coming through on the phone and different people, because we'd gone on quite a big bus to do all the Anfield rap work. Some weren't in the ground, some were detailing their experiences. Uh, some had been tear gassed and tear gassed with the children. All of this was sort of crystal clear. And when I was in the grounds about quarter past nine. the It was about, well, when the kickoff was delayed It's about five to nine, the explanation given was because of late arriving fans. And straight away, I was like, well, that just simply isn't true. I've just seen them. They're all there. <laughs> the one thing they've not done is late arrive. You know, everyone... Yeah. It was unbelievably busy outside the ground, and then the the sort of the other the other bits and pieces become clearer and clearer, and you begin to see the videos even just stood in the ground at that point. But they put that on the big screen, which obviously inflamed a lot of views because people, you know, you, we're all well connected enough now to know what's going mm. on. Then the 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 sort of the next phase of this, obviously the game happens, and it was odd, uh, but you know, sometimes you, also you get beat, and we got beat, and that's fine. Um, it was all really odd. But about two minutes to go of normal time then the french riot police came and all gathered down our end uh right in Mm -hmm. front of our end loads like i'm saying 150 and there's a couple of reasons for that in my view one and i think the main one was as an act of provocation like we want you to kick off um and a couple of people did throw stuff to be honest Mm -hmm. um and i was just thinking please don't because this is what you're playing into their hands, and I think you know football crowds and football crowds. I think in England, but I think football crowds in general are actually much better now at self policing than they ever were. So I think everyone just said, "Can everyone just calm down here? Can everyone just 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 calm down?" So that stopped, which was great. Uh, but the other reason as well was for the optics. I.e., we've got to look after these people because this is what they're like. So if you know, if, if it ever looked there, this would be what the footage was like. Ridiculous. Then came out of the ground, and it was clear within seconds that it was not safe outside the ground. So we've just got beat. The Liverpool players didn't really want to come over to us at first. It was a really sort of, you know, all the way through the season, there's been this really close bond. And I actually think they felt like they'd let us down or something. And that just wasn't the case. You get beat sometimes. But anyway, the players didn't really come over for four or five minutes. So after four or five minutes, when it looks like, listen, these are in their own world here, we need to make a move because we've all got, we had to get an early ferry. We've all got to get off. So me and the lads, I was it was come back to our hotel. Timo, we walked out and straight away this was moody, really, really moody. Like straight away, I was thinking we wouldn't bother you. We were trying to find an exit and it was really hard to get off the stadium footprint. Uh, and in the end, we found a sign which like had a looked like it had been put there for purpose and had like a met an M uh, in a in a circle and a number four on. And I thought, right, we go down there, we'll get towards the train station, and all we need to do is just get away from here get a cab to where our hotel is and just go from there. But let's not try and get a cab here. Let's just try and get away as quick as we can and then go from there. We went down, and as we went down, there were these coloured lights all dangling. And as we went down, it narrowed and narrowed. And again, there was police vans narrowing it. And when we got to the bottom of it, it was all riot police lined up with batons um, and you couldn't get through. So they were blocking the exit. And straight away, I turned to Timo and said, we're not staying here. So we turned around and walked out. And the people were coming down. I said, do not go down there, do not go down there. Subsequently, what appears to have happened is that down there, there was incidents with local gangs and the police were indiscriminately tear-gassing, pepper-spraying and batting-charging people. This is both sets of
0: whoever... Well, whoever was that, went yeah. down
1: that way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. that, but this was closer to the Liverpool end. So mm-hmm. I said to Timo, right we need to just be safe here, so let's go to the Madrid end. The very thing that should be counterintuitive in football grounds is go to where the opposition supporters are for safety, but that was, I just went, we've just got to go to the Madrid end here. So we walked the length of the pitch and went to the Madrid end because you just couldn't get off and every single possible exit that we went past was closed. And... It was just ridiculous. So we go down to the Madrid End and then there was another sort of possible one in an underpass. But we looked down there and there was loads and loads of police fans and we just didn't want to go near the police. And Timo, who came in late and had the experiences he'd had, he certainly didn't want to go near the police. So we went round the corner again and we basically just ended up doing a lap of the ground. To come back to these gates, so there was gates where it was stairs and they were gated and they were all padlocked closed so you couldn't get through them. So some people, in order to leave the footprint of the stadium, were starting to climb the gate. But I'm 41 years old, and I was never a good climber. And Timo said, "Do you think you could do that?" And he was like, "I think we could do that." And I was like, "I don't think I can." But also the problem was, if you climb over something and it's going uphill, if when you jump off the top, you act the fall helps you because it's sort of you jump onto the slope. If you're jumping off the slope going the other way. You know, you land badly, you can twist your ankle, break your leg, you fall forward, if you know what I mean. The momentum of the ground takes you away and it would hurt more. So it was, e- the, my point here is that by locking the gates, it was easier for people then the local gang element, to break into the perimeter of the stadium than it was for people to escape it. The best thing they could have done would have been just to open the gates because then we could all get away from the grounds. Now, we would have been getting away from the grounds as it transpired into absolute bedlam. But we, when we eventually were bottlenecked, forced through, then there was further that I didn't see, but has been reported to me by a woman who's five months pregnant, I hasten to add, she got tear gassed in another exit with a bottleneck. Um, which was then tear gassed by police. And then as you're coming down the side and there, I had two attempts to pickpocket me. The gangs were just roaming all the way through. There was no attempt to police this. They were just running up and down the walls. Some of them trying to work out who was vulnerable and all of this sort of stuff. Um, but we were held and held and held for ages. And finally, uh, again, as you came down this, back into the the, the initial bottleneck that we come through, got back in and began to walk back into the general direction of the stadium. Then there was all sorts of flares and fireworks being thrown into the Liverpool crowd and gangs then running through. And at this point, absolutely no sign of any police, none whatsoever. Um, we got sort of by the Metro and in the end, that was both sort of policed simultaneously heavily, but not. And it looked just really dangerous down there. So we sort of had to look into the stadium and we went, you know what, we've we've managed to walk here. And we just sort of walked on. At that point we decided well, where our hotel is, it was about a 50 minute walk from the station. And we just sort of decided rather than going back into another enclosed space, we'll go here. When we were getting bottlenecked earlier on, we were pulling to the right in case we did have to jump. You know, this is the mad thing, you start doing this. And only after the fact you think this is crazy. What well, I'm working out if I need to jump or not. When you then hear and see all the videos and you see it all in a, you know, all together, that was, that was me. And as I say, I genuinely am one of the fortunate ones all the way through a couple of attempts to rob me and a general sense of all pervading fear aside. um, Nothing absolutely awful happened. When you then hear from everyone and we all get back together and, you know, you realize that on a bus of sort of 16 of us, I think about seven had been tear gassed you know when you then see all the videos as, as to where this has ended up when you you know when you pull it all together it was it was mind boggling to be honest with you and it's such a it was the more that they speak and the more they try to lie and the more they try to cover up what becomes clearer and clearer there's one thing that there's one truism that they can they can't get away from which was that they decided that the liverpool fans slash english fans and I, I, i'm not quite sure where the line is on that one still but were we're basically going to be a massive problem so what we then also find out is that people who'd stayed in back in Paris to watch the match in the fan park, at the end of the match, they'd been tear gassed. For no reason. Without provocation. Uh, but it feels as though they come to the the, the, the French police have been told that there was going to be a dance, and whether or not there was one, they were going to make sure there was one. No. And this appears to be the whole attitude that sort of underpinned the French police response. We're still waiting for loads of questions and loads of answers out of UEFA. UEFA haven't apologised for what they've evidently got wrong. By their own estimates of fake tickets, UEFA only reach about 2,800. The French, when they did this hearing the other day, the interior minister and the sports minister, they keep they keep doing two things. They keep conflating different numbers. And when they use language to describe the numbers, they call it huge. So they're accepting in one hand, the UEFA estimates of those number of tickets, but then they're saying there was thirty to 40,000 people who may have had fake tickets. What they're not saying is that there was, 2, 000, there was thirty to 40,000 fake tickets, but they're very strongly insinuating that. But they're saying there was these people who were around the footprint of the stadium, and then there was these fake tickets. And it's a huge issue, the fake tickets, and there was a huge number of fake tickets, but the UEFA estimates is 2,800 of fake tickets.
0: It yeah, doesn't it's, add
1: up. No, not not not. A, but also, where did all these people go? Because they weren't <laughs> in the grounds. And the part, of the point about this is that why everyone knew there was problems was the Liverpool grounds. If the idea is well, they all got into the ground. Well, the Liverpool grounds was half empty at nine o'clock. The Liverpool end, sorry, of the ground was half empty at nine o'clock. That was part of the thing. All the images were like, well, where are all the Liverpool fans? And normally Liverpool fans, you know, the the big thing is, well, they come in numbers. But there was literally, you know, I was in the ground. There was all around me. You could just walk around, climb over seats. Everyone was walking around, talking to each other because it was half empty. So all in, none of this adds up. The French justification just gets worse and worse. The more the interior minister, who's a deeply unpopular politician in France.
0: Yeah, so so I've been reading about him. This is uh, Gerald Dominand, isn't it? No. And he's then to equivalent to the Home Secretary and he's
1: deeply unpopular. The sports minister's a little bit different. And at the hearing the other day, the 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 the, the greater fantastical lies were told by the by the interior minister, the home secretary chap Armand, But the, every now and again the sports minister, uh Udeo Castera, she'd down on a on a thing or two in a really odd way. And it got to the point that some of the like so I was on in the fan park, um, you know, in a really mundane way, He just kept saying stuff. So I was on in the fan park and I was meant to be on at 10 past one doing, doing a bit of messing about. Um, And they said the fan park was open from the morning and we were meant to go on at 10 past one. And we didn't because there was no one in the fan park because it was still shut, you know, in the most mundane way. And that's like, that doesn't matter. Like that's irrelevant to everything else. But part of what they were trying to sort of build was a completely different story. And they genuinely appear to have decided that they were policing animals. And then when no animals came, that was the way they policed them anyway. And now there's a statement today from Real Madrid saying how badly how badly treated their supporters were. And all of that began to come out in the days following the night. So the night itself, it was focused very much on Liverpool. But the days following, it's become clearer and clearer that the Real Madrid end had massive problems, lots of robberies, lots of attacks uh, in there and around the Real Madrid end uh, of proceedings as well. Um, so all of this is, it feels as though, and to be really clear, you've got to almost go through when you're, where you're, where you're saying things were wrong. It's still not clear why they chose the Stade de France anyway. The Stade de France has had other issues recently, but they chose the Stade de France They did in the very recent past, because it isn't one where they, they bid for it two years ago. It moved from St. Petersburg because of the ongoing issues yeah. there. So why did they choose the Stade de France? I know that the last two, one of the, the other stadium that was in, in, in the shake-up was, was uh, the Allianz in Munich, but they chose the Stade de France and supposedly the French were pushing for it because they got the Olympics and the Rugby World Cup on the horizon. So, but why did they choose to the start to UEFA? Why is UEFA allowed this event? Because their event, they're, they're responsible for my safety, UEFA, effectively. Um, why did they, you know, why was it so poorly stewarded, so poorly organized? You barely saw a steward, I hasten to add. Um, why was it so poorly organized, poorly sh- stewarded? Why was the planning out so, so poor? All of this is on UEFA's side. Why did they lean towards this idea that supporters had turned up late in the first place? They still haven't apologized for that. How will they run this investigation? The guy who's meant to be running it, who's meant to be independent, and in inverted commas, because he's pro bono, is supposedly very close to uh, Seferan, the UAE for president, on the one hand. And on the other hand, has written uh, about uh, greater extreme action ne- needing to be taken to supporters for violence around football grounds. So I'm hugely worried about his independence at this point. Uh, 100%. That, that all feels very dodgy indeed. And then the next phase of this becomes, then within that, because I think of dreadful planning from UEFA, they created a situation where the French authorities and police were able to fill the vacuum of the chaos and treat people like animals. And then the next phase of that becomes within there as well, the question as to whether or not what the what the police's plan was for, for, for local gangs then coming in and getting involved. Now, local gangs themselves, you know, I'm not that interested in, if you sort of see what I mean. In the the wide Mm. scheme of things, disenfranchised young people who feel the need, for whatever reason, to take these sorts of risks, we'll just park them and put them Mm. to one side because ultimately they're individuals running around. Everything else, there needs to be genuine accountability and there needs to be just a full transparent process. And that's now what Real Madrid are calling for as well. So this isn't solely a Liverpool thing, and this comes back to the English point as well. It isn't now solely an English thing. This is now... Ultimately, uh, an absolute scandal that all of this happens at the Champions League final. That really should just be a festival of football. It caught up some of the players, relatives and friends. Yeah. It caught up an unbelievable number of children. It became uh, a genuinely dangerous place. And the last part of this, and I don't mean this in a self-aggrandizing way, because I think any group of, of, of experienced in inverted commas, football supporters from from most countries, but I think definitely in England, would have done this. The only reason why this didn't become a lot worse was because of the actions of those supporters. that they consistently preached and called for calm themselves. Just stay calm, just stay calm, just stay calm. And those of us who've been away a great deal and have been away down the years know that that's a really important point. I remember being treated atrociously at Sevilla um, in 2017, and all everyone was saying was, shouting, was, don't push, don't push, stay calm, stay calm. Do not firstly fall into their trap, but secondly, don't endanger the people around you. And this is... You know, the supporters themselves, genuinely, from everything I've heard, from everything I've seen, should be commended. And instead, the absolute opposite has happened because that's what happens. But it was the supporters who policed that situation better than any authorities. And as I say, I'm not saying this because, oh, well, the Liverpool supporters. I think that any set of English supporters would have policed that situation, would have self policed that moment in a really calm way and said, we've just all got to get out of this together now. We've just, we've only got each other. And that's what would have happened there. And I genuinely think that that was the only reason there weren't genuinely like, genuine serious injuries. There have been some serious injuries, I hasten to add, mm-hmm. but, but a number of genuinely serious injuries and possibly deaths was that the response of the supporters themselves was to try to stay calm and just get through it. I've talked for a while there, Russ, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, no, that's well. That's plenty of information there, and I think for anyone that doesn't know any of the details, that I think helps to clarify it very well. There's a few. There's a really disturbing undercurrent to this, isn't there, with the narrative, the prescribed narrative about British slash English football fans, and of course, in particular, there's an association with Liverpool because, rightly or wrongly, because of the eighties. Yeah. There's this. There's this um, historical narrative as well at play, which of course has a a two-pronged element to it. First of all, you've got misconceptions or preconceived notions by authorities, by maybe other members of the public and other countries, whatever it might be, that you have to worry about that. So the fact that you policed yourself so well, um, hopefully would help serve to to prove the point that that isn't an issue uh, nowadays at all. And secondly, the fact that um, you've got a a situation there where um, the authorities are... Repeating in, in in a sense what happened at Hillsborough, aren't they? Or well, not? Obviously, the the scale of what's happened isn't the no, same, no. but but the but the narrative is the same, isn't but it? The... the authorities have made mistakes, have quickly rounded on it, seen that there's a problem, and they've they've sought at a very early stage to try and uh, alter and distort that narrative, which yeah, is th- very worrying, isn't it?
1: It is very worrying, but I think to be doing that to any group of football supporters, and I think that this is important. I, you know, I think that the. The first thing that everyone always wants to get out, all the authority, and it's it's worth saying on this, you know, that what's been brilliant here in a terrible context is that, for instance, you've got the excellent reporters from from Sky on in particular at the time. Yep. And then you've got social media and yep. a lot of journalists were around and they firstly were saying at six o'clock, there's going to be a problem here. And mm-hmm. also a lot of people who are in positions of relative authority were also caught up in it. So Gary yeah. Lineker was caught up in it. Players, people connected to players. Yeah, you had uh, Thiago's
0: it. other half, I Thiago's think. Was Thiago's the wife Ad, was caught Adder, up in it. And Robertson's friend. Robertson's friend. Yeah. And you so, had Carvey Kar- Kar- Solihull, who I'm sure is one of the people you were referring to from Sky. I think a BBC reporter. You had uh, the Mail on Sunday chief sports reporter. Yeah, exactly. these are credible journalists, whatever you want to think exactly. about them individually.
1: Exactly, and they were all caught up in it at this moment. And also, that so- and some others had anticipated mm. that this was going to be a problem. That helps massively. But I think that regardless... The attempt would always be to blame any set of supporters in the first place. I don't think it is Liverpool-specific. I think it's what they would do. They yeah. would start there. But what the next phase of this is, is that, you know, without it sounding in any way, shape, or form, self-aggrandizing, because it isn't, but the, the next phase of this as well is that where this is a, a specific problem for them around doing this to Liverpool is, well, we know the ropes. And straight away, you know it was this idea of what we're not we are not standing for this, and we 're not standing for this for a minute one um and that 's therefore a lot of the response has been no we 're just not having this, and the club has been. Magnificent in response. It genuinely has. You know, there's been issues obviously recently with Liverpool. I think you and I have talked about Euro- European Super Leagues and stuff like that. Mm. But the people who've run Liverpool's response, you know, up to and including the putting some money into support, additional services from mental health charities off the back of it. They've been really clear in terms of what they want from UEFA, from the French authorities. They've responded at corporate level, the very highest corporate level, to statements made within the French Senate they've absolutely fought the quarter from from minute 1 and the part of the reason for that is because there's a lot of people who work for Liverpool who know Liverpool's history, are Liverpool supporters and understand why this stuff matters, but also understand this is how you've got to mobilise, you've got to move into action as quickly as possible, and that's mm-hmm. happened. That's the that's the only bit of exceptionalism possible, I think, in amongst all of this. The rest of it, I genuinely think they would have behaved the same way towards any other set of supporters. I think they would have done the same thing to Frankfurt supporters, and they've got some horror stories from Severe as many as yeah. supporters have. Yeah. Um, I think I think there's a at, a at a corporate level within UEFA. I think that because these events, these games are so oversubscribed that ultimately you could sell out a Champions League final three or four times over. There's a there's an attitude of it doesn't matter what happens to them as customers, and the other part of this is Liverpool, the ticket allocations weren't big enough. But allow that to one side for a second. There's 19,000 Liverpool supporters who could get tickets through Liverpool's ballot. There's a key part here which is that Liverpool's away support is say 3 to 5000. You know every away end at Liverpool will pretty much have a, a quite a consistent tune of the same 5000 people and depending on the size of the allocation and who's around they'll get tickets sorted out. I'm prepared to have a conversation in general that there's obviously a demographic point about that that a lot of those people may be, you know, maybe a bit more effectively working class but Liverpool support now I am is predominantly really rather middle class on the whole, uh sort of in terms of match going supporters, because tickets are so expensive. Because the trouble of it all is so expensive. My point here is the tickets for this game ranged from category one tickets that were approximately around fifty quid, I think I'm right in saying, right the way through to category five tickets, or maybe the other way around with the numbers, that were about five hundred, six hundred euro. This is a Rolling Stones concert. You know, this is <laughs> and this is the people who've come to this. They're the people who can afford it. So we can do a my point here is that there's a lot of, and it shouldn't matter anyway, but there's firstly a fair few people who aren't that experienced of doing away games because they just don't get the opportunity to very often. And secondly, though, there's a real issue here for me, which is, and it's a, it's a, this is a general football supporting issue and the way in which we're policed in general. I'm sick of this idea that you get to pay, you get to say to people, and it shouldn't be about the money, but just let it be because they love money. We're paying through the nose for this. So treat us like customers. Treat us yeah. like people who are paying 150 quid to see a sporting event. Treat us yeah. not as football supporters, but as people who are attending a sporting event. Treat us yeah. that way around, please. And treat us that way around all the time. Up and down the country, away in Europe, wherever it is, treat us as people who are attending a sporting event and not as animals and not as the problem. Because what's gone wrong here is they decided we were the problem. And that was the way in which we were treated from a minute one. Um, and that's the way people were treated in the fan park. You are the problem, and we will deal with you. The truth is, we're just people attending a sporting event. The truth is, there's, you know, every single walk of life is now represented within that. And the truth is that we're all paying a fair bit of money for this. But as far as they're concerned, that doesn't matter because it really doesn't matter what the experiences of supporters. It doesn't matter because if, if if it wasn't you, there'd be another, another 10 to take your place. And that is no way to live and no way to be. And it's got to change. Um, and listen, I think it's a lot better in our country you know, than it ever has been. Um, I think it's worth sort of bearing that in mind. But every now and again, you'll see that attitude will sort of permeate from somewhere in some way, shape or form. I think it's got to change. And I think that what that's what all of this can be. It can be a bit of a sea change moment, I think. Um, you've got to treat people better and you've got to not police them like they're the problem. The police should be there to ensure the event goes off smoothly and safely. That's it. That's the beginning, middle and end of the matter.
0: Well said, Neil. And I think just finally for me, I mean, first of all, we are thankfully in an era where there is all this photo evidence, video evidence um, from ordinary fans. So anybody can create or can can create a video or a photograph that can show the true events that are going on so you can't blur the water so easily even though laughably the French authorities are still trying to do that and they do have an issue France in particular it's a melting pot for problems because they've got hooliganism is rife in France at the moment there's a lot of problems particularly around PSG Marseille, Lyon, Sedetti and we saw the other day were very dangerously firing fireworks at their own players after a pitch invasion. You know, there's a lot of issues that the police, I'm sure, have to deal with, but that doesn't excuse treating, as you said, a set of, effectively from a UEFA point of view, um, high-paying customers um, in the way that they have done. There's no excuse for it. It's strange, the narrative, the way it unfolded, but you can see where the police agenda was from the beginning, certainly. And I'm just so glad that um, the media was, uh, was on board with it, the French media as well, by all accounts, have been are pretty much on board with um, the fact that it wasn't the Liverpool supporters or indeed Real Madrid supporters who caused the problems and um, it's, it's good that that's just generally yeah, the, the, French,
1: the, Fr- the French media, I think this is yeah. the impo- it's not us versus the French this it really isn't, it mm. can't be no. framed that way that's Liverpool supporters or people from this country or even people from Madrid as well yeah. because the best people we have here the people who are actually advocating for us best are the French mm. and they're the ones who are making the point that this is absolutely out of order so I think it is really important yeah. to bear that in mind
0: Plus that Real Madrid statement as well. Excellent. Well, Neil, thank you very much for joining us. It's been great to get a bit more clarity on what's happened there. And um, let's hope that uh, we get a good outcome and an apology, uh, which is well overdue, I think, from the authorities. Excellent. Thanks, Ross. Cheers. All the best, then. Sports Social Podcast Network.